Come on, put your hands together. We came to celebrate the name of the Lord, the powerful name, the name that's able to protect us, the name that's able to lift us and shield us from our enemies. Anybody want to celebrate that awesome name with me? The writer said, the Lord is my strength. He is my fortress. He's my deliverer. He's my God, and he is my rock. So let's lift our voices together and Strong Tower, family and friends. Welcome to our 10.30 a.m. Sunday morning service. In just a few moments, our very own pastor, Dr. Chris Williamson, will be bringing a timely word. If you have prayer requests or would like to give online, be sure to log on to our website or app at www.strongtowerbiblechurch.com. couldn't serve a God like this. My, my, my. He, he truly is a healer. He is a provider. He is a sustainer. He is still a wonder worker. He still answers prayer. And so as you are waiting on God to answer your prayer, I pray that you could take a moment to rejoice with the Ralston family that God answered their prayers concerning Micah, that he would not need to have that surgery that uh, the, the, the great physician himself touched that young man's head again and cleared up those places so that the blood flow can go through. So we thank God for Tracy's testimony. We thank God for Micah's stamina and endurance through all of this for the entire family. We love you. Also, we want to be mindful to pray for our sister, Sharon Donahue, a member of Strong Tower Bible Church, whose uh, brother and mother passed away and they were laid to rest yesterday in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, both um, suffering from COVID. But I thank God for the presence of the Holy Spirit in Sharon's life because she has been able to grieve with hope and the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in her. And so she is going forward by faith, knowing that her family, her mother and her brother are in the hands of the Lord at this time. So we want to continue to lift her up. And anyone else in the body that you know of that's suffering, going through challenges, economic challenges, physical challenges, mental challenges, um, thank God for those of you who've been turning, tuning in on Wednesday nights with us as we've been talking uh, with four sisters as they share about soul care, that we realize that God loves every part of us, our body, our mind, and our soul. And he has provisions to minister to us in those places. And also to realize that we're not alone. So there's comfort in community. Um, there's comfort in the body of Christ. So praise the Lord. And also we want to um, congratulate Joseph Biden and Kamala Harris 
on this past Wednesday, the inauguration being sworn in as the 46th president of the United States and Kamala Harris being the first woman to be named vice president of the United States, as well as first woman of color being of black and Asian descent. So great things, great things to celebrate. Um, and so we, we, will be, we will be praying for them as we have prayed for every administration over the past 25 years of Strong Tower Bible Church's existence. We will pray for those who are in authority and we will also speak truth to power. We will speak truth to those in authority, knowing that neither party fully represents the interests of the kingdom of God. And there will be policies that contradict the word of God. And there will be times where we will stand up and we will speak up and we will let it be known. Um, unlike others who voted for past presidents, but uh, their silence was complicity. Um, there will not be silence for us. Uh, we love people enough to speak the truth. And just because we may have voted for you, that does not give you a pass to do whatever you want to do. Um, as the body of Christ, we are of a different kingdom, a greater kingdom, a kingdom that's out of this world. And as a result, being ambassadors here, we will speak up and say what thus saith the Lord, to hold accountable and to encourage those who are in places of power on the local level and on the federal level um, to, to, to do justice and to have mercy. Amen, amen. But, but we don't get it twisted. Our hope is not in chariots. Our hope is not in eagles as far as the, the United States of America. Our hope is in God. We are the church uh, of the living God, and we serve him above all. So thank the Lord. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Matthew chapter 14? We're in a series entitled Come As You Are that we have a God who invites us to himself. We have a God who knows that we are broken, busted, and disgusted. He knows that we, we, we're weak. He knows that we are weary. He knows that we are thirsty. He knows that we are hungry. He knows that we are confused, and he invites us to come. And even as he invites us to come, the beautiful thing is that he comes to us first, uh, and he gives us the capacity to even come to him. So we started the year just looking at passages in, in the scriptures that speak of the Lord's invitation to any and all to come to him. And this morning we will continue in Matthew chapter 14, and I will begin reading at verse 25. And the Bible reads, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And so today, with your prayers and with the help of the Holy Spirit, I would like to preach a message entitled, Come and Walk on Water. Come and Walk on Water. Let's pray. Father, thank you 
that we get to serve a God like you. There is none like you. There is none beside you, and surely there is none over you. You are the most high God. You are the God of gods. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You sit high, and we are so thankful that you look low, that you regard the lowly, that you have made a way that we can have a relationship with you and fellowship with you through the sacrifice of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he came to redeem us, to buy us back, to bring us out, to bring us in so that we can be brought up to your presence. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed that gives us the victory, the blood that cleanses us from all of our impurities, all of our unrighteousness, the blood that gives us strength, the blood that gives us victory over the enemy, the blood of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the empty grave this morning, the empty tomb that our Lord is alive. He said, no man take my life, but I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I have authority to take it back up. Thank you, Jesus, the great grave robber. You got up from the grave. It was impossible for death to hold you down. You are alive and well, and you live in the hearts of your people. Thank you, Lord, that we're saved today by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It is truly a gift from you, O oh God, and not from works will any of us boast. We're going to boast in you. We boast right now in the Lord. We honor you. Thank you for making a way for broken folks like us. And now, Lord, we need your word to feed on. And you so decree that people like me with the gift of teaching with the office of pastor, will stand up and teach and preach your word. Lord, I thank you that it's not up to me. It's up to the power of your word and to the power of the Holy Spirit operating through me. The same Holy Spirit operating through me is operating in the people who are listening right now. So, Lord, I pray that there would be a spiritual, supernatural engagement right now where, Lord, we will interact with you in this text, that we will hear and that we will do. So thank you, God. And if there's someone listening someone watching who doesn't have a saving knowledge of who you are, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that someone would be born again. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you in advance for what you're going to do. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray and ask it all. Amen. Thank you, God. Come and walk on water. Fear is not something to be avoided. Rather, fear is something to be faced. Let me say that again. Fear is not something to be avoided. Fear is something to be faced. And several years ago, I had to face probably my greatest fear. And that is a fear of being in deep water, water that's over my head. Growing up as a child, I was not given swimming lessons. Um, I was afraid of pools because I was afraid of drowning. So the fear of deep water was real. And so I decided several years ago that I was tired of having that fear rule me. And with the help of, it, of a very kind young man in Jamaica, uh, Brother Bruce, 
he taught me how to swim in the deep end in 10 feet of water. And it took some time to get me there. He took me incrementally step by step until I could get into the deep end and swim. Now, I'm no Michael Phelps today, I'll tell you that. But I am here to say, by the grace of God, I was able to overcome that fear. And one of the ways I overcame that fear was that I meditated on the passage that I'm going to expound upon today, Matthew chapter 14, the passage when Peter walked on water. Now, you say, Pastor, how did that passage help you overcome your fear of deep water? I'm glad you asked. The way this passage helped is that Jesus was out there in the deep. He was standing on the water. And Peter said, Lord, if that's you, let me come out there. And so Jesus invited Peter to come out to him in the deep water during a storm at night. And I, feel, I felt like at that time that if the Lord could welcome Peter to come out into the deep at that moment, then it's the same God who was welcoming me to come out into the deep end of 10 feet. Because my God doesn't want anything to rule over me except for him. My God doesn't want anything to cause me to be afraid or to be full of fear. He wants to rule over me. And so I felt the Lord was saying, now, Chris, now is the, is the time to get that monkey off your back. I'm out here in the deep, and I won't let you drown. I know you're working with Bruce, but ultimately, you're working with me. And I thank God for that moment, but I realized that the Lord is out in the deep, and he's saying, come on, let's defeat this stronghold together. Let's overcome this fear together. Come on, Chris, I'm inviting you out into the deep. You see, swimming in deep water, that's one thing. But walking on water is another. Today we will see that walking on water is having the faith to do what God tells you to do, especially when it doesn't make sense. Yes, yes, yes. Walking on water in our context is the ability to do what God is telling you to do even when it doesn't make sense. And usually what's standing in the way of our obedience is this thing called fear, that we don't want to do what he's telling us to do. It doesn't make sense to us. And so we lean on our own understanding. We stay in the boat of comfort, even complacency, if you will, rather than stepping out by faith and doing the thing that God called us to do. You see, this is walking on water for us. And as we come to our text, Jesus has sent the disciples away. Um, this miracle is recorded in three of the four Gospels. And right before Jesus walks on water, he feeds 5,000 men, not counting women and children, with two fish and five loaves of bread. And after he feeds the multitudes, the disciples take up 12 basketfuls. And Jesus, knowing the hearts of the people, that the people, according to John chapter 6 and his version of this episode, that the people were going to come and take and make Jesus king by force. And so Jesus was like, no, I know your hearts and your motivation is not right in terms of why you want me to be your king. You want me to be your king because I fed your belly, 
but I came to be your king to feed your soul. And so Jesus sent the disciples away after the miracle. Why? Because he knew that they would be caught up in the glamour and the fame and the prestige of the moment. Because these are the guys who would always argue about who would be the greatest once Jesus had gone on. And so they enjoyed following Jesus and going with Jesus. It was like being with a rock star, if you will. And so they loved the adulation from the crowds. And so Jesus, knowing the hearts of the crowd and his disciples, he said, the best thing for me to do is to get my men out of here because they can't handle the glory in this moment right now. And so he tells them to get into a boat to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee while he went up to the mountain to pray. Now, when Jesus sent them away and they got into the boat to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus knew, listen to this, that a storm was coming. When Jesus put them in that boat and told them, go to the other side, he knew a storm was coming. He also knew that darkness was coming because they got in the boat in the evening. But as we'll see in a moment, they will be in that boat until early in the morning hours in the dark. So he told them to get into the boat, knowing that a storm was coming, knowing that darkness was coming, but he also knew that he was coming. Uh-huh. They got in the boat by themselves, but, but, but he knew that he would be the one who will come and save the day. Now, I've got to pause and stop here because I need to encourage you that the purpose of a storm or a test in your life is to make you and me stronger as we look to the God who's the strongest. Uh, let me say it one more time. you got to get this. There's a purpose for our storms. There's a purpose for our trials and tribulations, and that is to make us stronger as we look to the God who is the strongest. Now watch this. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you fall into various trials and tribulations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. Perseverance is endurance, strength, or stamina. God wants us to run a good race and fight a good fight. Well, in order to do that, we've got to get in shape through trials and tribulation. And God being the great heavenly coach, he knows how to put us through the workout plan, if you will, that we might get stronger in our faith. So when we're in a trial, we count it joy, not because of the trial, but because of what the trial will produce. It will make us stronger and make us ultimately look more like Jesus Christ. So we got to go through those hard things knowing that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. But let perseverance and patience have her perfect work that we may be complete and thorough, lacking nothing. God wants us to lack nothing. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to get stronger. And trials come to make us stronger because we depend on the stronger one, the strongest one. We get to see his power in the midst of our trials, challenges, and tribulations. The disciples were in the boat from evening until morning. Look with me at verse 23. The Bible says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, 
he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, which is typically from 3 o'clock in the morning until 6 o'clock in the morning, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. So, so, so do you see what I just saw? That they got into the boat in the evening time, and then we see that they're still in the boat in the fourth watch, which is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Now watch this. A trip across the Sea of Galilee, and by the grace of God, I was able to sail on the Sea of Galilee twice. A trip across the Sea of Galilee would normally take two hours. This means they had been in a storm in the middle of the sea going nowhere for hours. In fact, they were only in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, a trip that takes two hours to cross it. They had been in the Sea of Galilee from evening until the fourth watch, only in the middle of the sea. Because John's gospel tells us that when the storm came, they were straining and struggling against the storm. And so they were stuck in a place. They were stuck in a place. They were stuck in a place that for even experienced fishermen, they were not used to. This normal two-hour trip ended up lasting for hours, and they still didn't make it to their destination. They got in the boat when the sun was going down, but they found themselves still in the boat before the sun came up. And so they're in the midst of a storm. But the good news is that Jesus saw them from a distance. He saw them not only from a distance, because remember, he went up to the mountain to pray. So he has a God's eye view, a heavenly eye view to look down and see them in the middle of the sea. Now, when Jesus sees them, not only from a distance, but he sees them in the night. And he's able to see them in the night without the aid of lights around. I guess he can see because he is the light of the world. Darkness cannot hide from him. The darkness is as day to God. And so Jesus sees his disciples straining at the oars, struggling with the storm. That was ordained. So when Jesus told them to get into the boat, he knew the storm was coming, meaning that it is possible for you and for me to be in the will of God and still be in a storm. You see, some people think that if I'm in the will of God, it's supposed to be smooth sailing. That's not always the case. You can be in the will of God and get hit with a storm. Storms were common on the Sea of Galilee because it was surrounded by mountains and winds would come down and big gusts and create storms on the sea. Now, again, these guys had seen storms before, but there were certain storms they saw that made them fret and cry out for fear, thinking that they were going to die. But here they are in the will of God in the middle of a storm. And I just want to stop and pause and encourage somebody right now that you are in something hard. You are in something right now that, that has tragedy in it. You are in the midst of something right now that you don't understand, that it is crushing you, it is perplexing you, and you're wondering, Lord, what did I do to bring this on me? 
No, you didn't do anything. You were just obeying God, and the storm found you. You see, there are storms of perfection that the Lord will send us through to make us stronger, to perfect our faith, even to cleanse dross from off of us or impurities from off of us because none of us are perfect. So the storms are used to perfect us, but then there are storms used to correct us. And that's Brother Jonah, who was in a storm of correction. So every storm you go through is not a storm of correction. Sometimes it's just a storm of perfection. It's part of God's will. You see, we always think that the smooth sailing is ordained and being on the shore and the land is ordained. Uh huh. But so is the storm. When Jesus started his ministry, the Bible says the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. So there are times that God will lead you into places for your perfection. You see, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, even when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. The steps of a good woman are ordered by the Lord, even when you find yourself in a storm in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and all you did was follow what Jesus said do. But I got to let you know something. The God who told you to get in the boat and go to the other side is the God who knew the storm was coming, the God who knew the darkness was coming, but also the God who was coming. He's coming to you in your storm. He's coming to you in your midnight hour. Just hold on. Just hold on. He's on his way. It's a test of your faith. Hang in there. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He won't put more on you than he can bear through you. Hang in there. Hold on. The Lord is coming. And when Jesus got there, they thought he was a ghost. Look with me at verse 26, the Bible says, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, and you would be too, saying, it is a ghost. Uh, the Greek word is a phantasma or a phantom, and they cried out for fear or phobos, phobia. They were afraid because they had never seen anything like this before. This is predating the Loch Ness Monster. They, they, they had never seen anything like this before, a man walking on the water. Now, here's what we got to understand. The disciples had tasted some of the power of God on land. And what I mean by that is they just saw him turn sardines and crackers into a Moby Dick sandwich. They just saw him take a little boy's lunch and feed upwards of 20,000 people. They saw his power on the land and in the day. Now they're about to see his power on the sea and at night. They saw what he could do with fish and bread. Now they're going to see what he can do with some water. He's walking on water. In other words, the trial is designed not only to make these guys stronger, but once again to see that the Lord is the strongest of them all. So that when we go through trials, we look less at ourselves and more at the one who has all power in his hands. If you don't come through this trial recognizing that your God is greater, your God is stronger, your God is higher than all, man, you've missed the purpose of the trial. The ultimate purpose of the trial is for you to see the glory of God. The byproduct is you get stronger in God. So look for the Lord. And these guys, when they look up and they say, it's a ghost. No, it's not a ghost. It's God. <laughs> oh, boy, how do I say this? Sometimes we go through things, and it's hard. It's tough, and we don't understand what's happening, and we think it's the devil. No, it's not always the devil. 
Sometimes, a lot of times, it's God working through a negative, a hard situation. So before you blame it on a ghost, before you blame it on the devil, hold up. Recognize that God is in control of all things, and he's working this thing for your good and for his glory. No, it's not a ghost. It's God. Now, now, now Peter is about to do something now, the one who's spontaneous, the one who doesn't mind taking a risk, the one who ought to wear peppermint socks because he always puts his foot in his mouth. Peter, this guy right here, he's about to do something that we admire. But I don't know, again, how many of us would do what this brother did because he is about to ask the Lord, can I walk on water with you? Can I walk on water with you? So, so before we get into this, I got to remind you once again that walking on water is doing what God tells you to do, especially when it doesn't make sense. That's walking on water. And we're going to see some, some characteristics of people who walk on water. Walking on water, doing what God tells you to do, even when it doesn't make sense, walking on water involves a few things. So listen to me, people of God, people of faith. You were saved by faith. We are to walk by faith, not by sight. So listen to me, listen, because there's a thin line between walking by faith and people thinking you're crazy. But, but, but just listen to me now. Listen, hang with me now, because walking on water involves several things. The first thing that walking on water involves, it involves hearing the voice of God. Hearing the voice of God. Look at verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I do not be afraid. So the previous verse ends with them being afraid, being full of fear. And the Bible says, but Jesus spoke immediately. We have a God who speaks to us with the things we're afraid of, afraid of losing, afraid of doing, afraid of trying. Whatever we're dealing with, we have a God who speaks to us immediately. But the question is, do we have ears to hear? Because it has been said, that when fear comes, the only thing that can overcome fear is faith, and fear and faith cannot occupy the same heart and mind at the same time. One must dominate the other. And so momentarily, fear was dominating these guys. But then the Lord spoke so that his word could dominate, giving them faith in that moment, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Jesus Christ. So Jesus speaks to them late in the midnight hour, in the darkness, in the midst of the storm, and Jesus says, be of good cheer. In other words, cool out, chill out. <laughs> and then he says, it's me. Don't be full of fear. Don't be afraid. So he speaks to them, cool out, chill out. In other words, get a good attitude. Why? Because I'm here now. I'm here. Really, I've always been here, but now my presence is manifest. Cheer up. I'm here now. Don't be afraid. You're afraid of this storm. Man, I've got more power than this storm, and y'all are about to see that. Now, what I love about this is that before they could recognize Jesus' face, oh, you're not ready for this. Before they could recognize his face, they recognized his voice. They, they were close enough to him to know his voice. They think it's a ghost. They can't make out his image. They can't make out who he is or what it is. And once he speaks, they realize it's the Lord. So before they saw him, 
they heard him. And before I go to heaven and see him with my eyes, I know his voice. I know what he sounds like. I know what he says. And until I see his face, I'm comforted by his voice. One day I'm going to see his face. I'm going to get through the storm of life, and I'm going to leave this place and, and see the Lord face to face. But my relationship with him is now built on the fact that I've got to see him with my eyes. I know his voice, and he speaks to me, and, and he's able to say the same thing to me. Chris, be of good cheer. I am here. Do not be full of fear. And I just want to know, do you know the Lord's voice? Can his voice calm you? Or are you like the people who say, if I don't see it, I can't believe it? No, the Lord says, believe, and then you'll see. And so I believe because I hear the voice of Jesus. So if I'm going to walk on water, the first thing I got to do, I got to hear the voice of God. But then secondly, I got to ask great things of God. And look what Peter does in verse 28, knowing that it's the Lord out there. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So now he, he's heard the voice of the Lord. And the Lord is obviously still at a distance away from the boat. And he's like, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come on out on the water where you are. So people who walk on water aren't afraid to ask great things of God. Now, now, again, I love this ability in Peter that is daring and wants to take a risk because a lot of us want to be great for God, but we're afraid to ask great things of God. And he's asking God for something that has never been done, something that he's never seen, something that he's never done. Lord, if that's you, let me do what you're doing. And I love how God invites us to ask him great and mighty things that we don't know about. Ask him great stuff because he's able to do exceeding abundantly. Stop playing it safe all of the time. And watch this. I believe that because when he asked the Lord this great request, God was already working in him to want to ask the request. In other words, it didn't originate with Peter. It originated with the one who works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so Peter was only working with the fact that God spoke and put something in his heart. And he responded to that and asked God back. He didn't quench the spirit. He didn't grieve the spirit. He didn't lean on his own understanding. God put faith in him and he put it back into God and said, God, if that's you, let me do this. And we serve the kind of God who, who didn't say, he, he did not say, you know what, uh, play it safe, brother. Uh, don't you know, I, I don't, come on, man. Only I walk on water around here. No, no, the Lord invites us to ask great things, man. He invites us to ask things that are out of the box so that when it gets done, he gets the glory. And so asking great things of God is an indicator of one who walks on water. Thirdly, you got to get out of the boat. When you walk on water, you not only hear the voice of God and ask great things of God, but you got to get out of the boat because if you don't get out of the boat, it's just talk. And faith is not just talk. Faith is talk and walk. Because if you don't walk it out, you just saying nothing. What you're saying means nothing. But when you talk it, when you ask it, and then you start walking in it, that is faith. 
Look with me at verse 29. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, again, keep in mind, it's still dark. It's between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Uh, the storm is still going on. And, and, and the Lord is not going to stop the storm and make it smooth so that Peter can walk on the water. No, the Lord wants Peter to walk on the water in the midst of the storm. Why? Because Peter was afraid of the storm at one point. He thought he was going to die from the storm. So the Lord said, come on out here and walk on the water because I want you to take authority over the thing that you were just afraid of moments ago. The thing that had authority over you, I want you to walk on top of it and take authority over it by faith because I told you to come. See, see, this is where some of us don't want to go. But I know the Lord is stretching me. He's calling me. He's like, Chris, I don't want anything dominating you but me. So I'm going to put things in your life that's going to test, that's going to prove your faith, whether you're going to succumb to those things or you're going to submit to me. So trust me and walk on top of these things rather than letting these things of the world walk on top of you. Oh, my God, oh, my God. And so Peter is walking on the water. He's coming to the Lord. He is exercising his faith. He got out of the boat, and if we're honest, that's most of our problem. We love the boat. <laughs> we love the, the boat is safe. <laughs> but yet, we were just crying a minute ago thinking we're going to die out here. But yet, we'd rather stay in the boat where the Lord isn't than walk on the water where the Lord is. The safest place is to be in the will of God, even if that means you're walking with him on water in the midst of a storm at night versus staying in the comforts of the boat that can't save you know how. The best thing to do is say, yes, Lord, and let him do the rest. But some of us need to get out of the boat. It's hard to get out of the boat because our friends are there. It's hard to get out of the boat because our family is there. It's hard to get out of the boat because the boat is comfortable. The boat has made us complacent. But God knows it's time to take a risk. It's time to walk with Jesus where there is no blueprint. Come on and get out of the boat. And to get out of the boat, that means you're going to have to leave some people. You're going to have to leave some things to do something that folk may not agree with. But if the Lord is telling you to come, you have no choice but to go. Another thing about walking on water, walking on water, you're doing what has never been done. Again, in verse 29, so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So Peter did something that had never been done before. He did something that he had never done before. And again, the, the thing that stops many of us is a fear of doing something that we've never seen done. But God is like, I want you to make history. I want you to be the first. I want you to be obedient. I want you to trust me, and I want you to do it. 
even though you feel weak, even though you feel unqualified because you are, but I am the one who will make up the difference because I am capable and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So I'm encouraging you to do what has never been done before. I'm encouraging you to defy the odds. I'm encouraging you to be a trailblazer. I'm encouraging you to be adventurous and daring. Shame on you if walking with Jesus is boring. It probably means that you are just stuck in the boat and you have not listened. Because at some point in your walk with God, he's going to call you out the boat. It may not be today, may not be tomorrow, but at some point, he's going to call you to leave your comfort zone and start walking on water. That's how we grow and that's how we see his greatness. Another thing about walking on water, you got to have faith to overcome your fears. Because as Peter was walking on the water, he was walking on the water to go to Jesus. Peter, again, he walked on the thing that he was once afraid of. He was afraid of dying by drowning. But now here he is standing on the water and his faith is overcoming his fears. You see, there are times I look up and I see the things that I'm doing for the Lord and I look back to the kind of person I was and the personality I had, very shy, uh, not wanting to be in front of people. But little by little, as I walked with the Lord, he began to grow me and stretch me. And now I'm doing stuff I would have never thought about doing when I was a younger man. But see, that's what God does. He will transform you from a pussycat into a lion or a lioness. I mean, he's about growing his people. And when you look at how the disciples grew in Scripture, the guys who ran when Jesus was arrested, then you read the book of Acts, and they're standing up to the people, the very people who arrested Christ and oversaw his crucifixion by the state. And Peter is putting his finger in their face saying, you are the ones who put Christ to death along with the Romans. Wait a minute. How did this guy go from running to pointing folks out and preaching the gospel? The power of God was working in him. He was growing in his faith. And you want to be able to look back at your life and say, I remember when I didn't like to pray in public. I remember when I used to didn't like to speak in public. I remember when I didn't like to share my faith. I remember when I didn't want to go on the mission field. I remember when I did not have the faith to give God what is due him by tithes and offerings. I remember when. I re but look at what God is doing now. And look what God is yet to do. Peter grew. If you're going to walk on water, doing what God tells you to do, you also have to see with the spiritual eye and not just the natural eye. Because in verse 30, it says, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. So there was faith that got him out of the boat. Faith that allowed him to walk on the water to Jesus. And as long as he was looking at Jesus, he was doing all right. But the minute he took his eyes off Jesus and started looking at the wind and the waves and the storm, that's when he began to sink. And you and I can definitely dial in on that and understand that life lesson right there. We do a whole lot better when our eyes are on Jesus. But when we take our eyes off Jesus and begin to look around at the things that are natural, the things that are seen, and listen to the voices in the wind, that's when we begin to waver and struggle and sink. And so as we walk on water, 
We've got to realize that the spiritual eye is greater than the natural eye. We've got to do what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and that is we do not look at things that are seen. The things that are seen are temporary. We look at what is not seen because what is not seen is eternal. So God has to put blinders on us, as Paul Revere said to us last week. you got to put blinders on from the things of the world and say, Lord, I'm going to set my mind on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. I'm going to set my affections on things above because if I put the blinders down and I start looking at what's in the natural realm, the natural realm will rule me and take power over the spiritual realm. So somehow, somewhere, the same way I got saved by faith without seeing Jesus is the same way I'm called to walk by faith without seeing Jesus. And how does faith get bolstered in us? By the words of Jesus. So if I'm not listening to Jesus, I'm going to listen to somebody. But I need to get my focus back. And so when I'm walking on water, man, I got to look with spiritual eyes. Because when I do, I succeed. When I don't, that's when I sink and that's when I fail. But thank God for mercy and grace. Because we see another point about walking on water. You got to cry out to God when you start sinking. Oh, help me, Lord. Verse 30 again. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. I am not putting this brother down right here because this brother got out of the boat. He gave it a try. And you see, I'm the kind of person that I'm going to always give it a try. Like Elder Sherman Smith said to me the other day when he played quarterback at the Miami of Ohio, he said, um, I didn't go out trying to throw interceptions. I went out trying to throw completions and touchdowns, but every now and then I threw interceptions, but I didn't try to throw interceptions. And as a believer, I'm not trying to sink. I am trying to walk on water and do everything that God called me to do. But every now and then, I throw an interception. I miss a free throw, and I sink. And God knows my frame. He knows that I am dust. He knows that I won't be perfect. But, man, I'm pressing on. I'm trying to be everything that God wants me to be. But when I sink, he's there. He doesn't want me to sink, but he knows I'll sink. And when I sink, he's there. And I love Pete because Pete didn't hit the bottom before he cried out for help. <laughs> Pete was going down and said, wait a minute now, Lord, save a brother. Help, and Pete could swim, being a fisherman. But again, this is a crazy storm, and he's like, Lord, save me, keep me, rescue me, deliver me, help me. So if you're going to walk on water, you got to recognize that you're going to have to cry out to God when you start sinking. Now, now here, here's the thing. You don't have to be sinking in water to understand what sinking is all about. Some of us are sinking emotionally. Some of us are sinking mentally. Some of us are sinking physically. Others are sinking relationally. Some are sinking financially. Some are sinking spiritually. Well, what do we learn from this lesson? You got to know who to call on when you start sinking. And that is, the first one you call on is God. Don't bypass God and call first on people. I know there are lifeguards out here, but, but, but you need to call on the God of life 
out here and ask him to rescue you as you're sinking emotionally and mentally and physically and financially and spiritually and relationally. Ask the wonderful counselor, the Savior, to rescue you. But then also call out the qualified folk to also rescue you when you're going through something. Don't sit there and drown when you don't have to drown. Open up your mouth. Even Jonah, he opened up his mouth while he was in the guts of the whale and said, Lord, have mercy on me. You can't go so low that your voice can't be heard by God. So call out to him and say, Lord, I need some help. And the Bible says he gives grace to the humble, but the proud, he going to let them drown. So cry out to him. And you see, being rescued by Jesus means that you're going to have to listen to him teach you a lesson about faith. Look at verse 31. Peter cries, save me, and immediately, there it is again in the text, immediately, our God does things immediately. Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You see, Jesus didn't expect Peter to sink. <laughs> he expected him to keep on walking on water. But knowing his frame and his imperfections, he wasn't surprised when Peter sank. And he was there to rescue him and catch him in that moment. So I thank God that he is there to catch us and even to teach us. When he says, oh, you of little faith. In other words, your faith was strong enough to get you out of the boat, but it wasn't strong enough to keep you on the water. What happened to your faith? You started looking around. Your faith was little. So in other words, get your faith stronger next time. And Jesus says, then why did you doubt? And once we start doubting, that's when we start sinking. Another thing, we got to realize that the wind won't cease until the lesson has been learned. Look at verse 32. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. The Lord could have made the wind cease while they were out there on the water. The Lord could have made the wind cease as Peter walked on the water. No, no, this lesson had to be learned in the midst of a storm. And Peter did his best. I don't know what grade he would have gotten, but he did his best. And the Lord came and rescued him. And again, the Lord gets all the glory, even in the midst of Peter sinking. Because perhaps had Peter walked all the way, he may have taken all the glory. I don't know, but the Lord was there to rescue him. And the wind, the storm ceased once the lesson was learned. And that is, God, you are greater than the storm God, you are greater than even my best attempt to obey you. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. The ultimate purpose of the test is to see how great and how strong God is. And so someone may say, Pastor Chris, I'm in the midst of a storm right now. And it might be going on because you haven't learned the lesson yet. Trouble don't last always. It, it shall come to pass. And if you're still in it, you need to say, Lord, what do I need to learn? Rather than saying, Lord, skip me to the next spiritual grade, God's like, no, you're going to learn in this grade. And so ask him, Lord, what do I need to learn? What are you working on in me? It can't always be the other person. What you doing in me in this storm? Don't waste the storm because God is not. But then finally, when you walk on water, you're going to see the power of of God, and you're going to worship him as a result. Look at verse 33. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Ah, 
You see what happened? They went from it's a ghost to truly you are the son of God. And in Matthew chapter 8, it tells the story of when Jesus was in the boat with them and a storm broke out and Jesus was asleep. And Jesus, they wake him up and Jesus calms the storm because watch this, a whole lot of lessons can be learned on water. God would teach on land, he'd teach on water, meaning that he'll teach you in church, he'll teach you at home, he'll teach you on the job. He's always teaching, and we need to always be listening and learning as his disciples, as his students. And in the episode in Matthew 8, Jesus gets up and rebukes the wind, and the storm stops. And the Bible says they asked a question, and I'm going to go King James Version on you. They looked at the storm that stopped, and then they looked at the one in the boat who stopped it, and they said, what manner of man is this? They had never seen anything like that before. And they were like, who is this? Now, after this episode on the water, they know exactly who he is. He is the son of God because he has that kind of authority. So through the storm, through the test, they got closer to God. They got to know God better. And that's what the Lord is doing in us, that we may know his power and his awesomeness as we go through our storms. Well, in conclusion, brothers and sisters, one day the Lord is going to invite you to come to him on the water. (laughs) One day he's going to call you to get out of the boat and do something you've never done, something you may not want to do, something that's going to challenge your comfort level, your comfort zone. He's going to call you out to walk with him. And I pray that you will respond to the invitation and come. And sometimes you'll be going on a path and it's just meant going great. And then he'll switch courses on you and he'll invite you to come. But again, he's the author and finisher of our faith. We are not. So we need to submit to the master when he says, come on. I want you to do something that has never been done and something that may not even make sense. Now, Strong Tower, when the Lord spoke to the brothers, when he said, it's me, don't be afraid, he just wasn't talking to Peter. He was talking to all 12 of them in the boat. And it was Peter who said, Lord, if it's you, let me come on down. Listen to this now. Peter was the only one, but he didn't have to be the only one. But he wasn't worried about them. He was worried about him, the Lord. And he was willing to step out from the group to obey the Lord. The Lord spoke to the group. Everybody in the group could have done it, but Peter was the only one who took the Lord up on his invitation to come. Think about that now. He was the only one who responded to the invitation. He was the only one who got out of the boat, and he was the only one who walked on water. So what am I saying to you and to myself today? Be that one. Be that one who will respond to a collective call. Be that one who will step out and do what the Lord says. Maybe there was a brother who tried to stop him. Hey, man, what are you doing? Didn't matter. Peter said, I'll be the one. I'll respond 
to this invitation to go. And for you, walking on water, brothers and sisters, might mean something like this. It might mean being the one to go back to school. Because people would criticize you and say, what are you going back to school for? You're too old to go back to school. You don't have the money to go back to school. But if the Lord is saying, come on, walk on this water and go to school, you be the one. And nobody, The Lord may be saying, come on, out the boat and come on the mission field. I don't want you just to take a trip. I want you to relocate on the mission field. Come on out of the boat of safety and comfort and convenience because the blessing out here, yet yeah, the boat is blessed, but there's something out here with me walking on the water on the mission field. You be the one and come on. You be the one and answer my call to preach my word. I know they'll look at you and say, I remember what you used to be and what you used to do. How dare you? Answer the call to preach, young man, young woman. But you answer the call. You, you be the one. Come to the Lord on the water. Do what's never been done. Do what you don't even expect yourself to do. Give him your yes. Get out of the boat. Not only that, you might need to take a job in another city. <laughs> but you don't want to leave this city. But God is saying, come on, get out of the boat. Walk on water by faith. Because what I have for you is in this next destination. Leave the city. Leave that job. Oh, I can't leave my job, Lord. I can't walk on the water and leave my job. There's a lot of security in this job. This job, I have insurance with this job. And you're telling me to start a business? You're telling me to walk on the water and do another career at this stage of my life? Oh, my God, that's never been done. I've never seen it done. Why are you calling me? So he can show you how strong he is. Maybe it's time for you to expand your business, to take it to a whole nother level. Maybe it's time for you to say yes to a surgery because that's walking on water for you. But for someone else, you may need to say no to a surgery and that's walking on water for you. For you to get the vaccination, that might be walking on water for you. For someone who has never seen marriage work in their family and God is calling you up to get married, to not accept living in sin, but to do things his way. And for you, getting married is walking on water. I encourage you, get out of the boat and go to the Lord. Others, listen to this. God is telling somebody to get out of an abusive marriage. I won't chase that rabbit. But to get out of an abusive marriage means you're going to have to walk on water. And a lot of the wind that's going to come against you will be people who aren't in your lived experience telling you what you ought to do because you're not supposed to do that. But there are certain allowances in the Word of God. And that's why you need pastoral leadership and counsel. But for some of us, man, getting out of a, an abusive marriage, that's hard. But Jesus is out there in the water saying, come on. I know it's storming. I know it's dark. Come on. 
got you. Or somebody's in an abusive relationship, friendship that they need to get out of. Someone is in a dating relationship that they need to get out of and walk on the water to the Lord and just say, Lord, I thank you that I'm single. I'd rather be single and right than with somebody and wrong. So I'm going to get out of the boat. Or God's telling you, okay, I want you to date somebody, but be open to dating someone of another ethnicity for somebody that's getting out of the boat. That's walking on water because that's never been done in my family to bring home somebody like this. But if God is in it, you walk on that water. For others, it may be God saying, I ain't calling you to leave the boat. I'm calling you to leave that particular church and trust me and walk on water with me to the next church that I have for you. Because it takes courage to leave some churches. Because some pastors say, if you leave this church, it's like you're leaving God. And it takes courage to go against that kind of pressure. Others, God is calling you to join a church that is outside of the denominational preference that you've grown up with. And to join a non-denominational church or a Presbyterian church or a Baptist church or a charismatic church, man, that's never been done before. And for you to do it, you got to walk on water. But if Jesus is saying, come, you've got to go. Or others, he may say, start a church, start a ministry. Come walk on water with me. Do what you don't have never thought of doing. Others, he may say, now's the time to buy a home. That's walking on water. Others, he's saying, now it's time to sell your home. That's walking on water. Somebody, he's saying, man, submit the paperwork and adopt that child. Oh, that's walking on water. I don't have the money to do this. Walk on water. And trust me, he's saying to somebody, man, be honest about your mental state. I'm worried what people are going to think if I go get counseling. I'm worried what they're going to say if I go see a professional. Get out of the boat. Walk on the water. Be the one. Be the one. Then for others, it's overcoming a speech impediment that you might become president of the United States. Look what God can do through a broken vessel. Or you might be like the young lady, the poet, who who gave the final remarks at the inauguration, who herself has had a speech impediment. But God will call you up. He'll call you out. That what you're going through, those limitations should not limit you when God wants to grow you. Oh, God may say, I want you to learn how to swim. So come on out to 10 feet and trust me. Because I'm out here in the deep end just as much as I am on the shallow end and on the side. You be the one. Grow in your faith. This song, I just want you to listen to a portion of it. Pray that you will listen afresh to the voice of truth, the voice of the Lord as he invites you to come, to walk on water, to do what you've never done before. So let me pray and close out our worship service today. Jesus, thank you that you're in those places that we're afraid of. 
You're calling us to walk by faith as we walk on water to overcome those things that want to keep us down and keep us back. Some of us are afraid of what people say, afraid of what people think, afraid of what people might do, afraid of opinions. We're anchored in being man and woman pleasers more than we're anchored in being God pleasers. And Lord, that doesn't please and honor you. Some of us, Lord, are called to do things that just doesn't make sense. And we stayed in the boat for far too long. Lord, we're not talking about being irresponsible. We're just talking about being obedient. Even if we have to be the only one. Lord, there are others who've been out of the boat for a while. They've been walking on water. But Lord, they've been sinking lately. I pray, Lord, that they will cry out. We will cry out. I will cry out and say, Lord, save me. Help me. Rescue me. Rescue us. Put us back up on our feet again. Help us to get our focus back again. Thank you that you stand ready immediately to lift us up, to help us out, to be our deliverer. Someone, Lord, who's sinking in their mind, their spirits, their body. Might they call up and call out to you. Might they call out and call over for help from brothers and sisters, from professionals who can help because you don't want any of us to drown. Lord, I pray for that person today that doesn't know your son. Thank you, Jesus, that you bid them to come. And if you've never asked the Lord to be your God, your Savior, your King, your friend, now is that time. If you heard his voice today saying, this is the day, give me your life. Surrender your life. If you heard his voice, one day you will see his face. But if you have heard his voice, would you surrender and say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, be my savior. By faith, I believe you died for me in my place, took my penalty. And I believe you rose from the dead. Jesus, save me. Today, I want to be saved. Oh, my brother, my sister, would you pray that and say, Jesus, save me. And to those who know the Lord, I pray that you would have more intentionality to stay focused on him than ever before because we live in a time where the storms are paramount. They come one after another. There's so many things swirling out here in our society. And I pray that we will all make a commitment afresh to keep our eyes on Jesus so that we don't sink, yet alone drown. Help us, God, to know your voice. Help us, God, to be obedient. Thank you, Lord. I, I don't know any person that have, has ever gotten out of the boat that's ever regretted doing so. So may we not be ruled by fear. May we obey. 
Father, would you bless each person under the sound of my voice as they go forward today and this week? That, Lord, we would be intimate with you. We would spend time with you. We would worship you. We would adore you. We would love you. We would pray to you. We would listen to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to give us abundant life. May we enjoy it this week. For some of us, Lord, that may mean getting some alone time, turning off the phone, getting off social media, doing a fast, doing some reading. But, Lord, I pray that we would get to know you, like Paul said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. So, Lord, smile upon your people. Give them all that they need according to your riches and glory. And we promise to give you all the praise for anything good that's done in our lives. Let all the glory go to Calvary. For it's in Jesus' name, the, the one who walked on water, the one who commanded the storm to stop, the one who bids us to come. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. Lord willing, we will see you Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time as we continue with four sisters share about soul care. And our guest this week will be Tempest Merriweather. And we're going to continue to learn more about our minds, our souls, and how we can be well during these times. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us today at Strong Tower Bible Church where Dr. Chris Williamson is senior pastor. We hope you enjoyed worshiping with us and will join us next Sunday morning right here for our 1030 a.m. service. Be sure to stay informed on upcoming Strong Tower Bible Church events and activities. Download the Strong Tower Bible Church app in the App Store or visit our website at www.strongtowerbiblechurch.com. We pray you have a blessed, wonderful, and safe remainder of the day, and we'll see you next week, same time, right here at the Tower.